Hello, I'm Adam, and welcome to Tales from the Potting Bench, a gardening podcast where you'll hear tales and stories from the most interesting and different people from the world of both indoor and outdoor gardening. This season is sponsored by the wonderful people at Plant Grow, producers of award-winning organic fertilisers made with zero chemicals, great for your garden and even greater for the planet. This episode is all about growing in the sky, or on a balcony at least, as I talk to Jason Williams, otherwise known online as the Cloud Gardener. We talk about the differences and the difficulties between growing on the ground and growing in the clouds, and much more. So first of all, should I call you Jason or should I call you Cloud? Does anybody call you Cloud? Uh, yeah, when I'm in the streets, so like, or if I'm in a plant shop and somebody recognises me, they'll be like, "Oh, hi, cloud guy." I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you mind that? Are you alright with that? Uh, I think it's kind of funny, actually. So yeah. it's, it's a good conversation starter. It is. <laughs> so I suppose I'm kind of giving away a little bit about what you do, and your username slightly gives away what it is that you do. But for anyone that has not heard of you or has not seen anything about you. Um, do you want to tell us who you are and what you do? Yeah, so my name is Jason and I am a cloud gardener and <laughs> that basically means I am a balcony gardener. So my balcony is on the 18th floor and I am in the middle of Manchester, um, about five minutes away from the city centre. You're not from Manchester, are you? No, so originally I'm from London and um I went to uni in Manchester and then for some reason I had the calling to go back to London and I think I probably lasted around about two years before I was like what am I doing? <laughs> uh, I decided to come back to, to Manchester and I've been here ever since. So I've been here for my second stint for around about four or five years now I think it's been yeah. Right okay and was it work that took you took you away from London or it, it was it was, just getting out of London? Uh, I was trying to like find a really nice way of saying that but yeah yeah, it was just time for me to leave it it was it was a combination of things and what I decided is I needed a fresh start and I was looking around for places to to go and I was like well when were you last happy and then I realized the last time I actually was happy was in Manchester so it, it kind of all kind of fell back into place again so I had the nostalgia of my uni years and then not really looked back since you don't work in horticulture, do you? No. So <laughs> I think throughout this whole thing, this has been like probably one of the biggest transitions that I've had. And so when I started this balcony garden, it was in the it was at the very, very start of lockdown. So it was in March 2020. Yeah. And we had nowhere else to go um, because we were in lockdown and the garden centres were the only places that were open. So I, I picked up uh, a flower. I think the first one was a marigold. And then the garden just kind of built itself. <laughs> <laughs> I got one too many plants. And yeah, it just, it turned into this thing. And um, in my very first year of gardening out there, I focused on sustainability and growing loads of veg and tried to show that, you know, you can, you can feed yourself in the garden. But that had so many limitations in terms of wildlife and things like that so I learned to kind of incorporate more flowers into the garden and all the way through I was working in hospitality and 
I've been miserable working in hospitality for quite some time, but what lockdown enabled me to do was kind of focus on myself a little bit. And I really, I really actually appreciated my time in lockdown because it gave me time to reflect. And then I kind of realized what was important to me and all the things that I've missed working in hospitality, because normally it's not hospitality in itself, it's not a nine to five job, it's 12 hour shifts back to back working weekends you never get to see friends you never get to see family because you're always working and you know I was doing 50 60 hours a week and to go into lockdown and just have my little garden and be away from people it was really magical and that kind of got me learning more about insects and wildlife and gardening and have a career change at the ripe old age of uh, 21. Uh (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no comment <laughs> um, it, it's been really it's been really really uplifting and um, I'm, I'm very grateful to the garden and I'm, I'm grateful to give myself this opportunity and this chance at change because I know it sounds strange but I, I, I'm happier having less money being happier doing what I'm doing and trying yeah. to make some formal change in the world than yeah. trapped in a, in a system so so did you garden before you had your balcony garden? Had you had you had a garden before that? Or was this kind of your first like foray into gardening? This is probably my first actual garden. Like I've had, you know, some plants on some balconies before, but mm-hmm. nothing to this scale. What I've had to learn is what my own style of gardening is, especially for balcony gardeners. When I started, there was nothing out there to show me what to do. And so for that first year that I was gardening, I made so many mistakes and tried to do so much, uh, copying what the big YouTube gardeners were doing. And the reality is, is everything that they did, it didn't necessarily apply to my garden. Sure. So look at a day like today where it's super, super sunny. I think it's something around about like 10, 10 to 15 yeah. degrees outside. Yeah. Uh, on my garden right now, it's around about 30 degrees because of the glass. It amplifies the heat, which oh really, God. really makes my garden a struggle. Um, and, but there's nothing out there that tells you about any of this stuff. I mean, in actual fact, my seasons are different. I was able to harvest tomatoes on my garden up until one or two weeks ago. Is, it, it's just a completely different microenvironment, and these little things were were things things and skills that I'd picked up in my first year. And last year, I was able to implement some of them, uh, some of my learnings. And that's when I decided, well, actually, let me just start a YouTube channel just in case somebody might want to know something a little bit different yeah. or see what I've learned. And it's just grown. Like I've got a, a nice little army of balcony gardeners <laughs> who, who follow along with the content. And it's really cool because I think they get to feel seen and and it's authentic. It's not somebody who knows that container gardening is important. So they've shifted their content to yeah. to uh, container gardening. It's it's real. Look, this is my garden and it looks like yours. So <laughs> I think that's that's kind of helped. A little bit as well yeah massively so I didn't you, you said something that I, I didn't necessarily or I haven't necessarily clocked from your Instagram is so have you got glass along the whole thing then? yeah so there's 
um, it's glass panning like all the all the way along the garden, and um, in summer it turns the garden into a greenhouse, and mm. in the winter it acts like a cold frame. So when it's frosty, I actually don't get frost on the plants. The frost will go along along the front of the grass, the glass. But if you look through some of my content on YouTube or Instagram, um, you'll see things like my tomatoes especially over winter, I don't stake them at all because anything that is higher or taller than the glass will get frost damage. Right. So I only let my tomatoes grow to a certain height vertically and then then I just let it uh, sprawl. So if on a day like today where it's 10 or 12 degrees and yours is more like 30, what on earth does it get up to yeah. in the height of summer? A good 40. The highest I've recorded, God. I think, is 46. Wow. And... It is, I can't tell you, it, it's so disheartening when you try to grow <laughs> and you've spent, you know, a good couple of months rearing these plants and then they're just gone in a couple of oh, days. Yeah. And so, you know, I've had to learn, you know, that actually I need to water my plants twice a day. But then, you know, this is like a subtle thing that we laugh about on on, our, on the YouTube channel um, is things like watering, like so for us balcony gardeners people who are ground level gardeners they forget that actually we can't just go and plug a hose into a tap outside yeah there's of course no one's got a balcony like that so what we have to do is we have to hand water all of our containers oh my God. and it takes me if i'm if i'm going to on a hot day like to like this morning for example it will take me run about 44 minutes and seven to eight trips to the sink to deep fill those containers with water in order for the plants to survive through it. No way. It would naturally be hotter anyway, wouldn't it? Because it's higher up. There's, there is no shade. And because it's um, a south-southwest facing balcony, um, this, this is another part that I had to learn in terms of balcony gardening. Through our summer, um, it gets sun all the way till 9pm. But during winter, um, the sun kind of creeps round onto the balcony around about 1 or 2 p.m., right. which, of course, in the middle of winter is useless. I'm yeah. getting like uh, an hour of direct sunlight a day, so nothing grows. So in order for, for my garden to have any form of winter crops, I'm starting my winter crops in like June. God. <laughs> June, July. How bizarre. It is incredible. And I suppose, does that? do you grow a lot from seed, though? And I, and I suppose does that, um, I'm, what I'm thinking now is that the average gardener is, uh, will be dictated by um, historically how we garden and when, when things should, should be done. So you would do carrots now, for example, um, in a traditional garden. But does that, does that ever kind of hamper what you can and can't do because things are or aren't available in garden centres and things? All the time. And um, remember, I, I when I started on Instagram, I, I remember sharing a couple of updates on what it was that I was doing, and I got bashed by a couple of established mm. gardeners. Right. The fact that I, oh, you shouldn't be starting this now, and I was like, mm, you don't have yeah. a clue of what I'm doing. This is yeah. why I'm doing it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it, it does it, it does affect things, and I do start things earlier. But then they're also, I'm going to ruin my whole balcony tour, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm actually filming my balcony tour video today. All the plants that 
I grew for throughout winter, my brassicas, for example, they've all bolted and are now flowering. So my cabbage, my kales, oh, my cauliflower, all, all of them. And that's oh, because of this fluctuation of heat. And I've, I've never been able to grow lettuce either. It's just no. nothing. And spinach, I can normally have a good run with spinach. But even now, I've had to move all of my spinach, dig them up, put them all into containers with the most amount of shade. But having said that, one of my um, watchers who is in Australia, they recommended Malabar spinach, which is a climbing type of variety of spinach. It's an Asian variety. And that grows absolutely perfectly on my garden. So it's now a case of instead of trying to grow things that you know someone 10 minutes down the road from me on the ground level would grow I, I look for different varieties that would work in my garden I it's really interesting that you mention about somebody saying are you mad for growing this at the at this kind of time because I think that at the time of recording this will only go out in a couple of weeks but at the time of us recording this it's the nearly the end of March and it's kind of commonly accepted that March is is the acceptable time to be able to grow uh, sorry, sow seeds in a conventional in a conventional garden. That said, there were loads of us that eagerly wanted to sow seeds in February, and it felt as though for a short while there were kind of two camps of people. One of us that were really wanting to sow seeds, we were just really excited about it, and then the other half that were like, no, they're kind of uh, anti, this is against the traditional way that you garden. And I think there's that whole side of social media where it can start to kind of get a little bit hairy, I suppose. And I think what I'm kind of trying to say is that that can can have a really adverse effect on your mental health. And I know that that is obviously something that you are massively um, that you massively kind of advocate in terms of uh, mental health awareness. Over time, what happened uh, on my YouTube channel was I began to share some mental health vlogs and I didn't think that anyone would <laughs> watch them or that that anyone would care about them but I think at the time because I was learning through lockdown more about myself and I was learning that I needed to kind of open up about things a little bit more I remember I was recording some of my mental health vlogs just talking to my camera and I edited it all shelved it because I thought it was embarrassing and cringy and one one morning I woke up and just thought I'll just post it just do it so I did it and um I never expected so many people to resonate with with some of the mental health stuff that I I share like I talk quite openly about my anxiety or depression and how it affects me and um how my garden can help me and just having even if it's like an hour a day uh, being out there completely forgetting about everything else it's time yeah. to reflect to readjust the mindset and then you know I began to feel a little bit better sharing some of my stuff and seeing that other people felt the same and it became like a therapeutic process for my little community me sharing them also sharing their stories and the more that people write and, and put their own comments on it's it's great for other people to see that they aren't alone and then that kind of led me on to sharing it sharing my mental health perspective on all the other platforms that I'm on and you know it 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 kind of relates to everything and especially with my type of gardening as well like there is a I feel like there's a lot of pressure on people to be perfect 
and you yeah. see that a lot on Instagram where every, everything is just perfection. Whereas if you go to my page or if you watch my YouTube videos, I quite clearly demonstrate that things don't go well, <laughs> that your plants do unalive themselves. Um, and, you know, sometimes you can take it really personally or yeah. sometimes you know, it, it can really hit you hit differently. So um, being able to share those elements of gardening, I think as well, is something that, that people have found interesting when, when they look at my content, because I, I think it's a little bit more real. Um, but yeah, I think social media has its, its pluses, but it, it has its real negatives. And <laughs> fun fact, in terms of myself, I have my Cloud Gardener UK social media, but I don't use Facebook or anything like that um, hmm. on my personal account anymore. I've stopped it completely. Okay. And that's probably been one of the best things for me because w when I started fresh with the Cloud Gardener stuff, um, you can kind of select your feed a little bit more. Right. And I'm kind of a little bit more in control of what I'm seeing. I don't necessarily know everybody on there. You know, it, it's kind of nice. But I, I felt that my own personal one were a bit toxic. And I think we live in a world at the moment where everything is so polarised. And, and, yeah. and it's strange. You see your friends or their views and morals are so far away from yours. And you think, oh, how are we friends in yeah. the first place? Right. <laughs> right but then at the same time what disturbed me most about um social media and that in that sense is everyone kind of stays in their own echo chamber right. and i don't feel that there's enough people talking to each other to kind of bridge gaps I, i'm not i ended up just walking away because i felt look i can't help that person i can't help this person i can't help them to to connect and see you know both perspectives so uh, yeah I, I this often kind of strikes me is that there is this gardening bubble this gardening community it's kind of often talked about as the gardening community on instagram but it kind of also escapes me sometimes that there must also be a knitting community on instagram there must also be like a yoga community on instagram but if you're kind of only part of this one community you're completely unaware of those other communities aren't you completely so and do you know that the one app that that really highlights that for me is tiktok because yeah. they have a like garden talk and then then there's book talk and book there, talk, there are all know. these other talks and then sometimes <laughs> the algorithm take lands you on some talk that you're completely like i was on airport talk, airport talk. <laughs> and people were arguing that yeah it was hilarious no. these people were actually arguing in the comments that their airport was the best and i was like best yeah this is so weird. I know, right? Yeah, no, it, it get, you you end up going down a rabbit hole, don't you? I did. That's really funny that you say that because I I did the same on TikTok. I'm fairly new to TikTok, but I ended up on a video that was of an aeroplane. Really funny that you say that. Um, that um had been um something had happened to it. I can't remember what it was. But then because I'd obviously gone on that video, the algorithm had said this guy likes videos about aeroplanes and then every single video for the next like half an hour was just aeroplanes and I, I, I've got no idea about aeroplanes I know a little bit more now but not not anywhere near what it thinks I know I think the other thing as well about social media uh, I don't know if you've got an opinion on this is it can be even within the gardening community it can be super divisive so um, I think something that has uh, I went well I won't say rocked the garden community but it has certainly had a 
uh, it's caused a lot of debate, certainly, is the peat free and peat compost um, thing. And I don't know if you saw, did you see the, the post recently that kind of did divide that slightly? Yeah, I, I did. And um, I think it, it's another one of those echo um, chamber splits. And um, I think that then it is one of those ones where I think people need to talk about it a bit more and understand other people's point of view because it's, it, it's like as soon as as soon as that article was there people are then on the, on the instant defensive and not listening and it's the same for the other other way around yeah and, and it is it's a tough one and I think that at the moment it's down to us as gardeners really to pick what we feel is best because it's not seems it doesn't seem to be coming from above no, so in which case you make the decision that's best for you i'm due within the next two weeks or so to film my own video on peat compost one of the things that i've had to kind of deal with in my outline of the video is how am i going to do this video and what i mean by that is what do i want the outcome to be like i don't want to force people to do things that they're not wanting to sure. do but it's, it's more for me about highlighting the issue and then allowing people to come to their own conclusion and to yeah. do what they feel is best. Yeah. So even, even me, for example, I've started to use peat-free compost, but, you know, I've got 100 plus containers outside on my balcony. It's not feasible for me to go and empty out all of those containers, dig everything up and then use peat-free what I'll do is I'll start to incorporate peat-free compost into my containers as I refresh, and mm -hmm. you know eventually, it, you know there we are. But yeah, I think I think I think people need to kind of make their own choice on, on it. If someone's choice is kind of a little bit different to yours, you don't bash them. At least understand their point of view and, mm -hmm. and why. Definitely, I think you're to totally right. And just as you were saying that, it was just really occurring to me that every video that you do see that's um, about peat-free compost is very much of a, my opinion is, I don't think I've seen one that's just, here are the facts, you make up your mind. Because I think the thing, it, the great thing that this video has done is it has it has forced us to have more conversations about it in a way, um, which is certainly no, no bad thing. But I do certainly um, think that there are, uh, there is information about peat compost that is definitely worth everybody looking at. I, f I feel as though, uh, just completely aware of this while we're recording this, that this is the thing that people are going to um, comment on about this about this podcast now. Yeah, is that we're talking about this? But I just think it's that it, that is the thing. There's just not a video necessarily, um, or a proper conversation that is here are all the facts. You make up your mind, and I think it's definitely down to. Even Gardener's World, for example, I think there should be something on on Gardener's World about here are the you know here are all the salient points. What's your decision? Yeah, that's that's the tone that I'm aiming to to get with that video. Amazing. is just just allowing people to make make their own choice, and there will be people out there. I feel I'm sure will be in utter dismay that we're not forcing everyone. But mm -hmm. what I think happens sometimes is that people kind of force their opinions on 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 people and what happens is they it, it, it stops other people from listening yeah and i think if you just lay the facts out there for somebody then they should be able to choose what's right and what's best for them um and that's my hope coming 
with that video. So good. Okay, so I have got three questions for you. Um, that hopefully you won't find too taxing. They will be questions that you might find difficult to answer, but they're not tough or hard questions. Hopefully after the first one, that will um, that will make sense. This is going to be different for you. And this is the first perspective, I suppose, that I'll have from, from a kind of a, uh, a balcony gardener, is if you had to redesign your whole balcony with only one type of plant what would it be so you can choose one type of plant but have multiple varieties but it has to be one one plant this is going to sound really ridiculous but i think what i would probably do is scrap the whole garden and then um <laughs> actually put, put philodendrons outside and have um, oh. have <laughs> have some house plants out there um have you got any house plants yeah. out there um oh Oh no, maybe not philodendrons, maybe allocations. Right, like, okay, wait, 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 <laughs> allocations. Yeah, yeah, to be fair, um, this is Lucy. She's my, <laughs> Lucy's like a giant um, elephant here. Um, yeah. She's been inside over winter. Uh, she normally is outside. And then I normally have um, a black collocasia um, uh, oh, that's wow. outside. Um, but yeah, I, for me, having a whole garden full of different varieties of um, alocasias, I would love that. It'd right. be so much less work. I wouldn't have to wouldn't worry it? about all of this <laughs> pollinating or anything like that. Just shove them all outside and let there be sunny days. <laughs> they'll, they'll be fine. That's the other biggest struggle on a balcony garden is having it is the wind, like even more so than the sun, because the sun I can prepare because I know what the temperature temperature is going to be but sometimes with the wind it, it could just be a normal day on ground level but when you're in the city center the updrafts caused by all of the skyscrapers they change the wind direction and you can't you, there's no weather like a website to kind of judge that on that for me has probably been one of the biggest things to to deal with so things that have like giant leaves normally don't do well on the garden a lot of my plants end up getting wind burn and um, yeah, <laughs> so I'm not too sure how well my allocation card <laughs> would do, but in my mind, that's well, what it would be. <laughs> so this next one, I'm not sure how exactly you'll answer because you won't use them in the same way that everyone else will. If you could only have a garden with one tool, what would that be? So there's a running joke on my YouTube channel. I actually don't have any gardening tools. That's what I was thinking. Do you know, just as just as I asked that question, I was thinking, I can't imagine what you'd have, maybe a trowel and a fork, but like, you're not going to have a massive spade, are you? No, like, so I don't have spades. Like, I, I, I don't, what are they, secateurs, whatever. Like, I'm like, oh, char, I'll just use like um, some scissors <laughs> that I've got in my, in my, my yeah, it's ratchet <laughs> gardening. That's what I call it. <laughs> I can find. I tell you the one thing I have, um, I do have, um, which I never knew that I needed is you know the little the little board that you put down to. The, oh, your kneeling um, pad. Yeah, that's the one. I have a kneeling pad because I, at the at the age yeah. of uh, twenty one, yeah. uh, my back is killing me. No, I know. <laughs> Without that little pad. I'm done. <laughs> you know, I, this is this is going to make me sound ancient as well. I, I went to pick something up the other day and I saw these knee pads, um, things in the garden centre. That, that And for a split second, I thought, oh, but then I was like, no, I'm not quite that old just yet. 
<laughs> but that no, sounds one, really awesome. One step too far. Right. And the, the last question is the age old question of if you had to impart one piece of gardening wisdom on a brand new gardener, you can do this from a balcony perspective or a, a general gardening perspective, whichever you like. What would it be? Not everything is going to work. And make sure that you are gardening for what your garden's microclimate or microenvironment is built for. So there's no point trying to grow what you want to grow, uh, grow what your garden can grow. Jason's outlook on the world and how he sees it is wonderful to hear. And I hope you'll agree that his garden's certainly unique in its own way. You can follow Jason on Instagram and TikTok at Cloud Garden UK, or you can also subscribe on YouTube where you'll find him under the same name. Join me next week where I'll have another fantastic guest from the world of gardening. You can follow me on Instagram at View from the Potting Bench to find out who that might be. Music.